Welcome to Dev Dive Episode 5, League of Legends. We're here today with Katie Anthony, a.k.a. Katie Chaos from Riot. Welcome to the show, Katie. Uh, can you tell us what you do at Riot? Hey, yeah. Um, so I am a senior QA analyst on the Skins team. Um, I've been there for almost five years now. Um, primarily, like my job is um, helping to test not only our skins uh, that we come out with, but um, icons, wards, emotes, loading screen borders, uh, pretty much all of the um, cosmetic content that our game currently provides. That's fantastic. Um, so you're a bit of a, a public figure in the community now. Um, yeah. Is that is that really something that somebody at your role does commonly, or, or did you kind of just fall into that position um, via... Uh Twitter, so, Twitter and stuff. Yeah, like that. it's 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 kind of it's kind of weird. Um, so everyone at Riot is encouraged to um, reach out, talk to players. What that means per person can definitely vary. So you have some rioters who are really into Reddit. Um, that's kind of where their primary um like audience for what they work on lies. Um, so, uh, more so the boards for others. Twitter is a big one. Um, for me, it all started from um, all of Skins QA makes PVE boards posts for every skin that we do. From there, we are supposed to interact, you know, explain why we do something, why we don't do something, you know, trying to trying to elaborate on the feedback. So if someone tells me it sucks, I can, you know, say, hey, can you tell me why? Like, what what's not working for you? Um, kind of trying to absorb that and pull that from them. Um, yeah. But we, we kind of didn't have anyone too hard on Twitter um, at the time. And I felt like it was a really cool platform to kind of have that one-on-one -on -one interaction with players, more so in live time. Um, and part of what came with that was being able to provide um, the, the turnaround shots for all the skins because uh, Movie and other people would use the 3D model viewer that would pull the models uh, before the PvE build came out. Now, cool, works for most champions, but when you have someone like Arclight Velkaz, who is entirely VFX, he looks like a starfish when it's just like <laughs> he's kind of just all sprawled out. So it looked really bad. And for me, you know, I went to my team and said, this isn't really a cool first impression. And this was prior to us having the cool um, PBE teaser videos. Um, so from there, I just kind of like, you know, wanted to interact with players on a one-on-one. -on -one. I thought it was a really cool opportunity. So I just kind of ran with it. Yeah, we hear um, Larry. I mean, we're, ah, we're here with Larry. I don't really introduce him because he's sort of a constant on the show but larry is always talking about how he is constantly uh communicating with people who who may be asking him questions that um he doesn't like the tone of but he he responds in ways that he thinks will result in the best answer so if somebody says hey uh blank sucks why does it suck so much larry will say well why does it suck or why do you think yeah. it sucks and stuff yeah like yeah that. like I think for for a lot of players, um, some of it comes from like they don't think they're going to get a reply, so they're you know really like like combative about stuff. But like once mm -hmm. you kind of call them out and you're like, hey, you know, I totally understand where you're coming from. Can you can you kind of give me more info? They're like, really sorry for being mean. You know, like I'm just passionate <laughs> about this thing, but here's here's what I really mean by what I said. Yeah, everyone and gets a lot kind of nicer when they're actually talking. Yeah. To somebody. <laughs> yeah, like, like you feel like your voice is being heard, and it's kind of like not meant to be a call out, but that's kind of what it is. Where you're like, hey, you know, I I want to hear you out, but I need you to kind of kind of be more level headed with me, and we need to just like chat this one through. Definitely, yeah, makes sense. So we've had a um, we've had a few QA folks for champions on the show before, um, right? Ranger and um, Jeffrey. Do Ring, aka JD or Nekamaru. Um, yeah, I know those guys. <laughs> what 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 is the difference between somebody who works on QA for skins and somebody who works on the QA for champions? Um, so we we work pretty closely together on a lot of things. Um, Ranger and I specifically, um, we worked more recently with Wonk mains because there was a lot of bugs with the revert, and at the same time we were working on programmable Blanc. So I said, hey, let's buddy up, you know, try and fix some of these bugs so that when we move forward, you know, we've got a clean slate. So the next LeBlanc skin will have pretty much everything that she should. Um, there shouldn't be any, like, weird bugs that one skin has, one skin doesn't. Um, the primary difference um, in terms of just content itself is um, skins works on all the new skins. 
whereas Champion works on um, literally champions, new champions that are coming up. But when they do VGUs, they're the team that actually takes all of our existing skins and kind of gives them a facelift, mm-hmm. which is really confusing when it comes time for yeah, a rework. Because yeah. I, you know, like Kale Morgana, a lot of players are coming to me and I'm like, sorry, this isn't one of my projects, but let me, you know, give you to somebody who is working on it. Um, yeah, I see that. I see that a lot on Twitter. Um, you've you've become sort of a hub for transitioning questions to the right people. And I see it's like, oh, uh, maybe Kiwi Kid could help out with this, or Ranger, or yeah. whoever else. I feel like I feel like the old school like phone operators with like the little <laughs> plugs. And I'm just like, no, no, you go here, you go here, like go get you to where you need to go. Um, but like, uh, Champion's a little bit more um, like functionality. Uh, focused uh, than us where we're a little bit more like aesthetics focused um, just because like they've already done all the hard work for functionality um, like the kit works everything's good to go whereas for us we're like how do we make it pretty and like now that it's pretty does it look okay does it you know does it does it read right so they're a little bit more um, like on the deep dive of does this stuff work and we're like okay you gave us something really cool how can we decorate it Awesome. Um, to jump in really quick there, uh, doing functionality testing, pretty straightforward, right? Like the, a champion is supposed to do X. When you press this button, it does this, right? Like it, it's pretty, pretty binary. Um, but whenever you go into something like, does this look right? <laughs> uh, that's a little subjective. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, would you be able to kind of go into maybe some of the, some of the, bars or definitions when you say you know does this look right whenever you are queuing a skin yeah um so some of the main things that we're looking for um is does the champion or do the spells read well um from game height and speed um so meaning does it pop off of summoner's rift can you actually read what's going on um does this read like the champion itself um we've had instances where we have this really cool idea but um it just doesn't read right Someone like, you know, Lux or Ezreal, who's like Silhouette, may not be as iconic um, as someone like Cho'Gath. Like, you see that coming down the lane, you know what that is. Um, (laughs) But something that has like more of a generic weapon, like a sword, it can be a little bit more difficult. So that's kind of like the readability for what good looks like there. Um, We also care a lot about um, like the pillars. Uh, And what I mean by pillars is when we create a skin, we have... You know what what we set out to accomplish when we make this skin so if we're talking um arcade like arcade's a very clear like pixelated retro idea um so if we're not really hitting that we can say that's not what our good would look like um so if we've got like stuff that looks really modern and spacey and we're like but it's like space games and we're like no it's not the arcade look that we're going for Um, In addition to that, like, good-looking, like, gameplay clarity is pretty important for us as well. Um, So we're talking, if I have a Morgana queue coming at you, does it look like Morgana's queue? Like, is the the hitbox right for it? Like, I know it's going to (laughs) sit you there for a day or two, but, like, (laughs) if it's coming towards you, do you know that it's going to happen? Um, It's it's a lot of artistic uh, feedback, so it's really important when we do our reviews that we have artists from every discipline. Um, so if we're talking like the 3D artists, you know, kind of all getting together and talking, they have that feedback, um, especially when it comes to shading. Um, if you've never noticed, our models are shaded light to dark, top to bottom, and that's primarily to pull them off of the map. So you'll see like the tops of the champions are a little bit brighter, whereas when you get like knees down, they are a little bit darker um, so that your your focus is on the top of the champion and not just all over the place. Cool. So coming back a little ways, um, something that we like to ask most of the people who join us on this show is how do they got their start in the industry? So um, where do, you said you've been at Riot for almost over or almost five years now. Where did you start before Almost that? five years. Yeah, almost, uh, Larry and I were in Dnoob together. It's cute. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> we're, all, we're all friends. Um, but... Uh, I started um, at Turbine, actually, uh, outside of Boston. My friend actually already worked there, and he said, hey, um, our team is working on a game called Infinite Crisis. It's pretty, um, you know, it's a MOBA pretty much along the same lines of League. 
Um, I think that this is something you'd be interested in. They're looking to hire somebody who would test skins and champions. Um, yeah, rip Infinite Crisis in the channel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so I said, you know, sure. It, it was like a full-time job with benefits. And I said, you know, why not? I'll give it a shot. Um, and that's kind of where I started. I did similarly what I do now. Um, it was a little more black box testing, which um, is me running um, test suites, test plans, uh, test cases all day. So basically what Larry had mentioned earlier, like, does the Q work? Does the W work? Um, a lot more like manual scripted testing um, than what I do now, but it was a it was a good start. It was a good good break in for me. Uh, whenever and this actually kind of came up a little bit. Uh, whenever we talk about you know getting getting into the industry, um, and people always go, oh well, how did you know? How did you get into it? You know, really, what they're asking is, how can I get into it? Right. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah, mean, it, it, it's, it's it's a polite way of asking. <laughs> yeah, it's it's definitely a rough one because I feel I feel bad when people ask me because I'm like I'm kind of a weird case. Like I went to school for graphic design. I didn't plan on going into games. I worked at a magazine doing graphics before then, so I'm kind of a hodgepodge of how I ended up here. Um, I would say it's it's good to branch out your network when you're in college if you have um like friends and friends who know people trying to network um to like at least have contacts i know a lot of people who work at riot and other various companies who've got their start just from knowing somebody and being recommended so that's a that's a huge thing um so going to places like gdc um any sort of like conferences where games are um, being discussed, especially if you have recruiters. A lot of recruiters there are happy to give you feedback. Um, GDC, for example, a lot of places, if you bring your portfolio, they'll take a look and give you um, a lot of really great, honest feedback. Another thing I can recommend is um, doing game jams. Um, a lot of places, you can find them locally. They're all over the place. But it's a really good opportunity to get together over the course of about 48 hours and try and bang out a game with a bunch of people. Um, I did one in college. It's super stressful, super fun. And you you learn a lot about the whole process and see where like uh, T-shaping, so learning how to do more than one craft can come in super handy, um, but also gives you kind of an insight into what it's like to make games. Like it's hectic. You really need to know how to work in groups. It's not, it's not a solo project. Like a lot of people uh, can tend to be, you know, like I'm a 3D 3D artist, so I just make models. It's like, but we have to work together to make this look cohesive and fun. Right. Um, also, depending on like where you wanna where you wanna end up, um, having a good portfolio is super important. Um, and for QA, I I highly suggest trying to find maybe a smaller studio to start at to get experience, even if it's like a six month contract. Just learning the basics is super huge. Um, for Riot, you know, we can teach you how to use our tools. We can teach you, like, how, how we do things. But it's really good to have that solid baseline, like, that solid vocabulary. Um, and for QA2, there's also um, official certification that you can get. Um, it's called ISTQB training. It um, teaches you all the basics, all the vocab. Um, and I think, I think it's definitely worthwhile if it's, some, like, a career path that you're serious about. Um, if you don't have QA experience specifically, having a certification like that really shows your dedication. Yeah. And going back to what you said about game jams, um, there's actually been a few fantastic games that have actually been born from those game jams. One of the ones that I'm very passionate about, um, Hollow Knight, was started at yeah. a game jam back in 2015 or something like that. And it was born there and it sort of evolved out of that idea. But um mm-hmm. Those game jams aren't just places where you can hone your skills and like show off your your stuff. They can also be a good a good place to have a birth of a an actual good video game. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of like like creating a demo essentially in a lot of ways, and then you can kind of polish it up and take it from there if uh, that's the route you want to take. <laughs> so jumping so, in a little bit, taking taking a quick a quick step back, you know, we're we're pretty familiar with the space of game development and what QA is and stuff like that, just because you know, we we're all friends and we talk, but someone, someone coming in new, maybe like the fuck are they talking about? You know, <laughs> the fuck is QA? So, um, could could we take a moment to say, okay, Katie, from your experience, what would you say QA is? Um, to uh, what QA is and how is it important to game development? 
Um, so QA uh, is kind of the underdog, I feel like, and people um, in a lot of places can underappreciate, depending on the style and the workflow um, that they use. Um, Riot is a lot more agile, which means that we're doing all of our moving parts at once so that it's less waterfall, which would mean like, well, the concept is done, so now we go to modeling. Well, got to wait till the modeling's fully done before we can start VFX. And then like this big pile gets thrown over <laughs> to QA and they're like, test my stuff. And we're like, okay, <laughs> great, cool. Um, Riot's a little bit different where we kind of just all have our hands in, you know, elbows deep at the same time, which is really cool. So QA is kind of like the gatekeeper of quality. Like you've probably been gatekept from Diamond. Uh, this is the gatekeeping <laughs> of quality. <laughs> <laughs> I've been gatekept from platinum. I can't even get all the way up there. <laughs> hey, I'm a proud member of the iron tier. All right, so oh, hell yeah, <clears throat> yeah. Like like being on an agile team is great because QA can kind of um, talk about quality from start to finish at that point. So we're talking, you know, Thresh if Thresh comes out with a new skin. Um, so let's say like high noon, for example, uh, QA can call out every thrush skin that we have, his shoulder pauldrons, um, they clip a lot. You know, what can we do to minimize that? Or, hey, um, Sacred Sword Janna had that really cool wavy hair because her rig was a little bit different than what she usually has. Can we take that? Can we use that for um, the new uh, bewitching Janna? Like, yeah, okay, that makes sense. That eliminates a lot of those issues that um, traditional like waterfall QA wouldn't see until the end. And at that point, it can be really hard for us to um, change those things, which, you know, it's kind of crappy. But we get to be the voice of the player from literally concept until it's shipped out the door. Um, in addition to just the, like, quality, you know, gatekeeper, make sure there's no bugs, all fun and games. Um, for me, too, it's also being the voice of the player. So if we say, you know, players are really unhappy about this, can we talk about it? Um, a lot of our changes from PBE are based off of player feedback, whether it's color changes or um, gameplay concerns. Like those are all things that we definitely want to call out and provide to our devs so that they they have that information. Um, for me, it's a little bit more of like management of you know other testers, um, but in a lot of places, you're also just running through um, test plans. Like I said, just kind of like the basic stuff. But QA. Um, in the perfect world, works alongside their producers and alongside their dev managers. Um, we're kind of, we call it the trifecta. Um, so you've got someone who's like leading the charge, someone who's leading the charge of the product, and then like QA just kind of like houses with them to make sure that all of those things can get done. Cool. So bouncing off that, what type of person, based on your experience, um, do you think would enjoy QA? Just like analytical or, or what qualification? Or sorry, what... Um, characteristics do you think um for me i think it's someone who likes a challenge i would say that qa um is definitely a challenge will definitely like expand your mind in like terms of trying to solve really complex problems so if you're the type of person who likes to understand the root cause of something you like to understand how it broke how to fix it and why um that's a really really good headspace i like to <laughs> i like to also say like um, do you like spot the difference? Do you like being able to like find out what's wrong? Like those are the kinds of things that like QA is kind of all about. Where you're like, hey, these are the changes here. Um, are these lateral changes, you know, vis visually or artistically? Um, like those are those are the kinds of people that I think would really enjoy it. If you want to work on something like skins, having that art passion is definitely something you would enjoy because you can hop in the meetings and say, I don't, I don't think this purple is really cool. You know, you can throw out your ideas, you can brainstorm, which is a really cool opportunity. Now, if you're more of like a technical QA, um, some backend stuff might be better for you, maybe like client side stuff. If you're more interested in scripting and coding, um, designer stuff is really cool, like maybe champion side. Um, there's a lot of different routes you can take depending on like where your actual like um, interest lie outside of just being like a curious person. You want to take the next question, Larry? I'm trying to think of where to go from there because <sighs> you answered it really well. Damn it! Um, yeah, I think I think uh, <laughs> I think that was very concise and very well. well um, but let's 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 get into more about like you personally. Um, oh no. <laughs> Sorry, you, your your personal point of view when it comes to your job and your work. Let me rephrase that. Um, 
So what, what would you say is your favorite part of doing your job or going to work? So like if you were to say, hey, you know, you woke up in the morning, I'm like, oh, I cannot wait to go to the office so that I can, what? Like, what would you say? My favorite days are PBE days. Like, hands down, I call it Internet really? Christmas. Yeah, <laughs> I, I actually call it Internet Christmas. Um, it's very exciting to be working on a project for, you know, sometimes months at a time, um, sometimes almost a year, like Elementalist Lux. Mm. Um, and to just kind of see, like, those first reactions, it's like, it's like our team handing players, like, something that's gift-wrapped, and, like, they open it and, like, really seeing their expressions for the first time is very, very exciting to me. Um, so when those PBE videos, uh, the previews go out, it's just me glued to, like, tons of social <laughs> channels to see, you know, like, how excited people are, what they like, what they don't like. And then, of course, that fan art that streams in, like, like Wanda Kuhn is, like, within oh, 15 minutes, so she's fast. got something whipped out. She is, is so fast. Cool. Yeah, yeah. So I always look forward to, like, seeing what she comes up with. But there's a lot of really cool community art that comes from it. But it, yeah, it's just super exciting. It happens pretty much every two weeks. So it's it's something cool to look forward to. Okay. Yeah, it's definitely one of my favorite right. parts um, from the community standpoint, seeing new stuff so come exciting. up on PBE and checking it out. Yeah. I'm just, I'm, I'm really surprised that PBE day is, is, is something you really look forward to. I mean, not that it's bad, it's just unexpected. <laughs> it, it can be really stressful sometimes, like especially if you're not sure if someone's going to like what you necessarily put out. Mm -hmm. um, Something like Odyssey and BMO were really fun because <laughs> they skipped <laughs> PVE entirely. Right. So that was just like a whole new level of internet Christmas. <laughs> that was also very stressful and like a very, <laughs> very technically um, challenging project, but also something that was, I think, was pretty fun and worthwhile to see players like, how did you sneak this past us? Like, it's, it's a whole event, like one skin, I get it, but one whole event, how? Where does that magic? <laughs> At Riot Games Magic. <laughs> it hides next to the spaghetti. <laughs> it hides in the spaghetti. <laughs> you just gotta go digging. It's like one of those double dare challenges and you're like, uh. Just just because you you mentioned it. Who's your favorite community artist? Oh no, Larry, don't do me like this. <laughs> Okay, okay. Quantifying, like, quantifying, quantifying this question. Who is question, one of your question. favorite community artists? No, no, no. I want to know who your favorite. You know what? You can take the <laughs> oh, easy okay. way out. Okay. All right. Um. God, I'm gonna butcher his name. Um. Sun I, know, I think I know. Probably... Yep. Yep. Sun Wong. <laughs> yeah. I knew it. Yeah. Oh, he I love is, him. He is definitely up there for me. Um. I think it's just a mix of like his style is really cute. Mm -hmm. Um. But also he just. The way that he portrays some of the characters, I think, is really funny. There's a lot of humor behind it, but it's with, you know, like, such such simple facial expressions and just, like, a simplistic look, but it's just so... There's just, like, a lot of emotion behind it. Like, the ones with um, Diana and Leona are always really funny. Um, I ship Jin and Nami now, thanks to him, because Nami just, like, <laughs> squirts water on everybody, and I think that's hilarious. Uh, but yeah, yeah, he's definitely, like, up there for me. Um, no, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I love his artwork. What was, uh, you know, actually, who was, it, it was funny. I'm hoping to potentially ask him if he wants to be on, on the cast as well. Um, Thomas Ranby, he was yeah. one of my favorite community artists. And I was really happy when, when uh, I was able to show some of his work uh, on Champions. I was like, hey guys, check this out. And they're like, oh, oh, dude, right? Um, and we got him working on the Maokai update. I remember that was one of his first. Oh my god, the, the cat, long cats. Yes. <laughs> oh, dude. So, uh, yeah, I watched him for a little while. So, as a, as a quick shout out to some of you artists out there, it like we we do look at the community art that you produce, and if we see things that hit the quality bar that are in line that really show a a great understanding of not just what it means to be a good concept artist or a good illustrator, etc., but shows a deep understanding of what it means to to understand Riot's style, you will be noticed. There's a lot of you out there that that we know by name and by work. So, oh yeah, we share all the time. Like I can't yeah. tell you the amount of times a new skin comes out, and in our skins channels on Slack, it's just all of us just posting. Like, look how cute this is when Winter Wonder um, 
Soraka came out, there was so much fan art. So I would wake up in the morning and the channel would just be spammed with like tweets and Instagram <laughs> posts from all the fan art. And it's, it's really rewarding to see. And it's just super exciting to see like how passionate people are about it and how much people really like something. Yeah, yeah. Um, so going going way, way back, way back, what got you into video games as a whole and League of Legends specifically? Oh, geez. Um, so I started playing games when I was probably about six-ish. Um, my cousins had a Nintendo, and they left me um, when they went to school. So I was at my grandmother's house, and they left me with a Nintendo, and I was like, all right, don't know what I'm doing. Um, <laughs> but one of the first games I remember playing was Tetris. Um, and I, I fell in love. There was also like Monopoly, uh, and I was an only child. So for me playing against AI was like next level cool. Uh, <laughs> I was like, well, oh, look, friends, everyone. Um, and then they beat me and I didn't want to play anymore. But <laughs> like those two were probably my first, um, I was a Nintendo kid growing up. Uh, Kirby's Adventure is still probably one of my favorite games. I actually, um, still take it out every now and again and hook up the Nintendo just to play it. Um, it was one of the first games I played with uh, save points, so that was super cool for me. I didn't have to leave it on all day when I went to school. Um, as for how I got into League is kind of funny, too. Um, I've been playing since um, 2010, I want to say. It's like right before season one. And um, my roommate at the time in college, he was like, hey, you should come play this with us. You know, all of us are playing. And I was like, mm, I don't know about that. I don't like playing, you know... Like, like, wow, it doesn't really interest me. Guild Wars, he's like, it's not, it's not really like that. I was like, like, I really, no, I'm really not interested. <laughs> like, doesn't, doesn't sound fun. And he's like, Kitty, let me show you this character. She's a, she's got pink hair and she's a pyro. And look at this cute teddy bear. And I was like, mm, all right, kind of interested. All right, we'll give it a shot. Uh, and then I played Annie exclusively one to 30. <laughs> <laughs> um, and proceeded to buy her with RP the same day and uh, needed goth Annie um, also so I got the digital collector's pack the same day and he's like Kate she's on free week I was like I don't care I need her I don't want her to go away <laughs> like I still remember it's so cringy because I didn't know what I was doing I was like hey I don't need this health pot can you take it from me <laughs> and he was like nope nope you sell that back You nope you, nope you can't do that I'm like so uh, from there, I've been playing ever since. Okay. Now, here's the segue from that. Uh-oh. Where we went from Annie, Annie, <laughs> like, 1 to 30, to yeah. Nami and being a mermaid. <laughs> where where did where did where the did love of wrong? Nami come from? With, like, I mean, you went from pyro to, to sea creature, like, you know, <laughs> where... Where did this all start? Um, so it started like with Annie because I didn't know what else I was doing. Um, and I was like, Annie seems fun. So I went mid with her. Great, cool. And then I saw Sona and I was like, ooh, a healer. This is fun. So I kind of like migrated from a mid lane main because I played like Annie and Lux for a while, um, then into Sona. And then Nami came out. I was like, this is a better Sona. <laughs> she's, got, she's got like a loaded kit like her heal does damage this is super cool um and like i have always been a big fan of like sea creatures love the aquarium and all that jazz so i was kind of like wow this is really cool wow her skins are really cool too which is also like me being picky <laughs> I was like wow this koi skin's really pretty um so i started i started picking her up and then once i realized that her kit was just like everything i had ever wanted um in a support it's a support that deals damage like come on super cool <laughs> so um that's when i became pretty much a nami one trick and it's been like that for several years now you're a you're plat right yeah yeah platinami yeah. is what there i've been go. themed <laughs> okay okay uh i mean you mentioned a support that does damage we're gonna see any pike soon from you or Oh, jeez. I, <laughs> I played him in playtests, and, like, I'm that person you don't want on your team because I go for those ults that don't kill anybody. <laughs> <laughs> and then I just feel really, really dumb. Um, but if there's any uh, Pike one tricks that want to show me to actually how to play this champion, I am 100% down. There you go. Right on. Okay. Uh, ben, did you have anything else you wanted to... Next question. Oh, yeah, I was I was just going to say, you kind of hit on it, but I was going to say, do you ever see yourself going to something new, or is it Nami forever and forever? <laughs> oh, 
Oh, geez. It's it's hard for me to, like, move off of to another character. I You know, like, I like Soraka. She's cool. She's fun. But there's just something about Nami that I'm just very drawn to, and I, I honestly think it's the W. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like that, that, like, <laughs> yeah. It's, like, a <laughs> troll of, like, damaging them and then just, like, being a jerk and just healing yourself or healing your ally from it. Where it's just like, I took this from you. This is mine now. <laughs> it just like it just feels really BM. Plus, like her laugh is the most BM in the game with that Top animation. Tier. And then you, yeah, and then you spam the master on top of it, and it's just right. like it's beautiful. If Nami uh, ever does your, get uh, a, a rework or anything, you have to make sure that she keeps the oh the email. Oh, I'm, I'm pretty sure. That, yeah, I'm pretty sure <laughs> that Katie will be like. Like pulled onto the into the those conversations. Like you've got to be one of the top <laughs> Nami players. Do you do you know that? Have you looked that up yet? I have not actually. Oh, I'd love to see. I'd love to see where you stack rank with some of those people out there. I'd be curious. I know people have hit like one million right now. I think I'm at like six hundred k. Okay. All right. Wow. Yeah. That's even I don't play I have, as much uh, as I'd like to. <laughs> I have like four hundred k on jacks, but. That's insane. Dang. Wow. Yeah, it's a, it's a lot of Nami. Like, it's to the point where, like, when we get an ARAM and someone has Nami, it just comes to me. <laughs> <laughs> like, anyone will trade me. It's great. Yeah, we have a um, friend like that with Lee Sin. Oh, I have a friend yeah. like that with Lee Sin, too, where I, we always give it to him. Yeah. No. <laughs> He's just like, please, please. It's like, it's the only thing I'm good at. <laughs> so fine, you... I'd rather win. You said you said you liked the like Koi Nami was one of those ones that that stuck out to you. What's your favorite Nami skin? Ah, uh, um, uh, yeah, these tough <laughs> questions, right? <laughs> uh, I thought these were gonna be easy. Um, honestly, I know it's the most recent, but I'm gonna say Program, uh, just because it has a special special spot for me. Um, my my mentor, who's also a 3D artist on skins, Katia, she helped me texture the joke fish for for the skin so it's nice to kind of have like like something that i helped make into the skin itself which was really cool for me um i actually <laughs> it's so dumb i was actually tearing up when she was helping me integrate it because i was like this is a thing i did a thing um but to have it be for my favorite champion was something that was a really cool opportunity and i'm extremely grateful that my team let me do it um plus i just think her as a robot is really cool <laughs> It's right, like the first question. skin that's not a fish. That's awesome. Easy question then. Or okay. maybe it's harder. Who knows? Um, favorite non-Nami skin? Ooh. Arcade Sona. Arcade oh, that Sona? Was easy, I, know, I know it's an old one. Yeah, Arcade Sona has been one of my favorite skins for years. Um, okay. I love, I love the VFX on it. I love retro VFX. The color scheme is gorgeous. And just like her having like... Um, like a joystick and stuff for her weapon, I think is super cool. Um, I actually tried to cosplay it uh, back in geez, like 2012, 2013, mm. not knowing how to cosplay at all. Um, mm -hmm. Six day project, didn't do the weapon, so went to packs like that. Um, <laughs> so that's floating around somewhere, but it was a really, really cool opportunity um, for me to kind of see how hard cosplay is, but also to show love for still my favorite skin in the game to this day. Yeah, Arcade Sona awesome. is definitely one of those skins that has held up probably one of the best of some of the older ones, and especially the yeah. splash art. If you look back at yeah, some of the old right. splash arts, you'll see some uh, interesting interesting artwork. But, uh, <laughs> that, one, that one still looks good even today. Yeah, I think like with Arcade, it's just that like really iconic color scheme, and it's it's very relatable. So I think pixelated graphics, you know, it's it's an art style that can age well versus something that's like really really bright and shiny and like too shiny for her standards today um but yeah i think i think she's held up really well yeah the whole arcade line is is awesome fantastic yeah yeah i'm a, I'm a big fan of the arcade line that's probably one of my favorites to work on actually i know you can't talk about it but you hype you hype about some of the skins coming out this year Absolutely. On a scale from zero <laughs> to hype, hype, like I would say I'm probably like mega hype. Yeah. Like there's there's just like it's it's because there's more content coming out every year. Like every year we try and put out more and more. Um. So for me, it's one challenging, but two also like 
you know, it'll give me opportunities to work on a skin for a champion maybe I haven't worked on before. Um, mm. So, for example, with Blood Moon Pike, I hadn't worked on a Pike skin, never really played Pike, but then I learned how Pike worked, which is super cool. I'm hoping that, you know, like once Mord gets a rework, um, I can work on that skin, you know, like when that time comes to learn how to play new Mord because. <laughs> I'm going to be left in the dark again, like with most reworks where I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. Because um, I worked on like the, the um, uh, what is it? King of Clubs mord way back in the day, but that was just like a 750. So I didn't really, right, you know, right. didn't have to go too ham, but it'd be really cool to like work on new stuff when it comes out um, to, should, to kind of learn how they work. You should go talk to Sunny because I saw him working <laughs> yeah, on the concept for, him about that for Club, for uh, King of Clubs the other day. It looks pretty dope. Hello. Yeah, right. Like, oh, uh, I, I need, I need to see how my child has has come up. Like, that's another thing. Like, not to not to super derail, but it's also really, really exciting to see skins that I helped on four years ago get like a whole new look from a VGU. Yeah. Um, like, uh-huh. I am so excited for Lunar Wraith Morgana because, <laughs> like, back in the day, we were so limited with what we could do, and now just kind of seeing her brought to life with like what I would have you know, what I would have liked to have seen if we had had the technology we have today and, like, you know, had had the means to do it. It's it's so cool. Like, same with, like, Pentakale. It's just next level for what we did. Yeah. And, like, she's not even that old, but it's just, like, seeing her even cooler than what we had done. And I know some people, you know, you get tied to stuff, you know, you love the work that you do, but I feel like Champion Update does a pretty stellar job at retaining what the the coolness aspect of the skins are and just bringing them up to modern day standards without like tearing them up and just kind of like you know redoing it yeah i think um i don't know if it's it's consistent but through the ones i've seen um it's it's always cool to see some of the less exciting skins get to be transformed to be some of the best skins um for example, like exiled morgana my, yeah well my best example for this <laughs> So far is is looking at something like um crab lord ergot his original yeah. skin was was uh interesting <laughs> but the, the rework splash. was fantastic it's one of his best skins now yeah always, yeah 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 it's always amazing so, to see, see such such great quality come out of such a yeah. inexpensive skin fun fact a lot of people on the illustration team specifically was like oh when we when we redo this illustration people are going to ask about the woman in the white dress mm-hmm. that's just that's just something they're going to ask about do we keep it do we not and fun fun fact we did the illustration team did actually keep the woman in the white dress in that illustration who she's in she? there she's in there yeah, but who is she's, she she's on the boat you know that boat like near like the, that's <laughs> crab crab ergot oh crab ergot. there's a on woman the in the hydra i never even noticed yeah no i, I so, remember in the old splash now i gotta go look yeah yeah i have to look up now <laughs> that, that is see. a specific easter egg that they kept for that reason and they're like how do we how the fuck do we keep it in here i but, love uh, that i yeah. love that so much oh okay that's her yeah, there, yeah there's the old one like mm. that's such a creepy splash it, it <laughs> it's is. awful it's, it's, <laughs> Like but if you look on the ship, it's uh she's 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 got her hands raised, like she's waving at him. She's on the bow of the ship, I think. Dun, dun, dun. Oh, she's little on the ship. Yeah, she's very small. Yeah. Oh, is that her? Yeah, that's the that's the lady in the white dress. That's the Easter egg. They they kept wow. it as part of the squad. It's one pixel. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! Wait, is that supposed to be her? I can't tell. <laughs> I don't know. Wait, wait. No, no, no. Uh, let's see here. Where is she? I'm. I mean, here's a here's a white dot, and here's like a flag. Wait, this is the is this, this the right one? This is one? on Art Station. Maybe it's not the official one. Might not let's, be the final one. Let me try. Let's it. See, uh, this one. that splash is so cool now. Yeah. <laughs> Now we're gonna go look at this. Dun dun dun. We do. Oh yeah, yeah. there she is. She wasn't in the other one. That's crazy. Do you see her? Yeah, there she is. Yeah, yep. this is her. She's on the back yes. of the ship. Yeah, that's that's supposed to be the lady in the white dress. Yep. The more that's you crazy. know. Yep. And he is really so. big in this splash, right? 
dude, he is, yeah. Splash is so good. I just that like, was... I love splashes that are like above and underwater. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I really like the cosmic splash arts. I have um, the League mm. of Display program. Just running yeah. constantly yeah. just to get all sorts of cool new splash arts as my background. And all of a these really cosmic ones look fantastic. They're my favorite. Got in development for that skin for um for pics. We're like, oh it's so cute. And I was like, can we are all like, can we just call him Aurelian Small? <laughs> yes. no. so that's why the icon is named that. Oh, that's oh, amazing. No. It was just like us memeing because we're like, it kinda looks like a space dragon. Yeah. But there you have it. That's there. All right, Katie, back to the hard question. Yeah, we got really off track. What were we talking about? <laughs> but that's, no, it's all right. So back to the hard question. I think this one will be interesting Uh-oh. to talk about. So we talked about this a little bit beforehand. Um, back in the day, showing my age, right? Back in the day, when a studio would talk to its community, it was through, you know, n- like newsletters or newspapers or, you know, like there wasn't much... There wasn't much in the sense of communication back and forth, but yeah. today with the internet, with uh, social media, like that bridge is extremely short, very small. Mm-hmm. What would you say are some of the positive things to come out of that you know, tight communication loop, that quick turnaround between studio and player base? And what do you think are some of the negative things that may have come out of it? Um, so let's start with the positives. Um, I think it's I think it gives um, like devs a better better understanding with their players. You know, we can have those real time chats, um, which can actually lead to really good change um, for players, and we can also share those changes in real time. I think a good example of this was um, with uh, Prestige KDA Ari, where we made changes the same day that things went out to PBE, so you can see that really quick turnaround time. Whereas if we're talking, you know, years ago, we'd see the changes like, oh, maybe next patch we'll get around to it and we'll do a we'll do a newsletter about this and you can understand where we're coming from. And like, it's like, well, the the ship's already kind of sailed on that one. So people don't really care as much um, or they've already bought it or we have to maybe even postpone a skin for a patch or two to accommodate these changes. I think I think this real time has really allowed us to. Um, get closer to player bases to um, really see the faces behind the devs. You know, it's really hard to kind of get to know someone when it's just one PR person talking behind the screen. You don't really, you know, have heart to hearts. You don't really feel the genuine um, interactions with your devs. I think it's, I think it's a really cool, a really cool thing that, especially at Riot where everyone's allowed to talk um, and share their passion, share their work. I think I think some of the negatives, though, <laughs> which is like you know, sometimes we don't necessarily always say the right things. Um, sometimes we're new and we goof at things, or we share misinformation because we're working um, cross team. Maybe we don't have the latest information, and we're like, oh crap, sorry. Um, or we share information that isn't always the best news. You know, like hey, we need to talk about this game breaking bug. No, you're not going to be super happy about it, but we want to get that information out there. So, like, the live time is great, but it does come with some hiccups. Um, plus, with everything being on the internet, it's, you know, once it's there, it's out there. So, even if you delete your tweet, it's still it's still found. It's still screenshot. Half the stuff I typo and quickly delete still shows up under the next post when I think. <laughs> um, so, there's definitely that, like, hit or miss. But overall, I think it's... I think it's a positive gain to be able to talk to players um, like in real time or for our official channels to tweet stuff in real time. I gotcha. <clears throat> yeah, uh, you were so, saying something about how it, how it helps the game company become less of a faceless company and more of a, a group of actual developers and people. And that's definitely yeah. one of the reasons why um, we started this show is to give more of a face to the people who make these games and less of a uh i mean even even seeing somebody on reddit or seeing somebody on twitter isn't always the uh interaction the community is looking for so we always love to have people come on and then sort of have people have a chance to look at them and see hey these these are actually real people they're not just money making (laughs) uh companies we're not robots yeah (laughs) They're they're We're working as hard as robots. possible to to make as best of a product as possible for you. 
Yeah, and it's, it's also cool because the artists are allowed to share their work that they work on. You know, they can share their portfolio pieces, so it's not just like, Riot made this. It's like, technically, yeah, Riot made this, but you can see the faces and the passion behind all the people who worked on it. Um, for VFX, like Riot Isaac, for example, does a stellar job of tweeting out the VFX that he made for stuff so that you can see the behind the scenes of, this is how I did it, this is how it's put together. Um, or Riot Omu does a lot for animation for skins where you can see the the process. I think he just put something out about paper skins and how we got the paper to fold and look right. And that was a big team effort. So um, I think that just brings in like next level genuine, um, genuine strats for any company to kind of let their devs talk. That said, there is the caveat of like, please make sure that you say the right things, that you're not being a jerk, you know? <laughs> and like, that you, you keep, you know, keep it clean, basically. Yeah. But... Yeah. Um, like for Riot specifically, we have like a course that we go through just to kind of like chat about social media, chat about like what good looks like and things like that. So you're always prepped, but you also always have people on deck who can proof your tweets, who can, you know, help you before you post something. Or if something goes horribly wrong that you weren't intending, there's also someone who can help you kind of like dig yourself back up, um, whether that's like an apology. Exactly. Like we, we have people who are who are willing to help because the last thing we want to do is scare somebody away from, you know, interacting with our players because it can be super valuable. Yeah. Um. Jumping back off what you said uh, about all the cool uh, people who work at Riot who get to share their work and not just say, hey, Riot made this. Um, one of the biggest things that I think we see is about that is champion designers. Um, we get to know who's making each of these new champions and, and what champions they've made in the past. So it kind of gives the community a bit of a chance to, to guesstimate what type of champion this would be or, or how their play style would be. Um, one of the more infamous ones. Passive. Yeah, one of the more infamous ones, uh, certainly T. He has, yep. a, he has a, uh, a, trade, a track record of making these very intricate, very high-skilled cap champions that aren't mm -hmm. always the most balanced. But it's it's always fun. It's like a little yeah. game. Yeah. Yeah. And um, like I think it's great that they're so um like open to explaining the choices. I really like how right August, for example, puts out change lists for the for the um like stuff that he wants to put on PvE next, or if he's like, mm -hmm. here are the ratios that I'm changing. Um one of the tweets that really stands out to me was Hey Morgana mains, like I'm gonna be looking at like little tweaks to her. So now's your time to speak up if you know there's something you've always really wanted on her. Just like that that very genuine upfront, like, hey, throw me your ideas right now. I'm looking at her, you know, what is what is some quality of life stuff that we could potentially give to her? I think that's super cool. Um, instead of just like, hey, here's Morgana, cool. Like we did some changes to her. Um, give us your gameplay feedback on PBE. Instead, he was like, before I even dive in you know, what, what is super important to you? And I think as, you know, someone else who works at Riot, I really admire that type of behavior. Yeah, we see, um, I saw some of that through, I don't know his name off the top of my head, but he's one of the guys who works on the walk cycles for older champions. And he always Rory. makes a tweet. Yeah, he always makes a tweet when he's um, working on like an old champion, like Fiora or, or uh, Jax. Quinn, or Zyra. Yeah, Quinn. Yep. Um, and he gets a lot of good feedback from the community where he, he gets to show the community before something goes out. Hey, we're working on this to make the champion look a little less stiff or something like that. And that's always very, very, it, it's crazy to think that there's a company out there that's has that level of interaction because uh, League of Legends is such a broad game. It, it covers so many different aspects of the gaming culture and to have a, a game on that scale still come down and say, Hey, people who play this character, what do you think of this change we're making to that character? And those yeah, feedback actually making a difference? That's that's almost unheard of. I, mean, it's really I agree, yeah. It's like there's a lot of um, games who they'll make changes, and like obviously they play test them internally, and they make sure that that's you know, the direction they want to go in. But you know, I think there's something to be said for a team who, um, like champions, who cares enough about like a walk cycle to make sure that that still feels core to the champion where, you know, any company could just put out a new walk cycle and be like, hey, guys, we updated this champion. Cool. Um, whereas he not only just posts it, but he'll go through the comments. And that's also really cool where he has those discussions. 
It's not just like a one and done post of here it is, guys, cool. He has those conversations with players to see what works and what doesn't. I think um, the LeBlanc changes for her walk was something that there was a lot of feedback about. And he was, you know, diving into those those threads and he really spent the time to understand the players and what they wanted from that and what they didn't want. You've been quiet for a little while, Larry. Are you thinking about anything in particular? Zorbin. Just just thinking about it. <laughs> yeah. If you I'm, um, unfortunately I'm one of those I'm one of those uh roles, I guess, that, that we don't have a lot of direct contribution to, or at least our contributions are not uh normally seen by uh the final product. So at, or at least my old role. Aha, old role. Still things working. I'll make an announcement at the time. <laughs> Big news. I think, I think you do a good job though of like like career stuff i think i think that that's something that a lot of um writers maybe don't have that experience to speak to outside of their own um like their their own discipline i think what you do on twitter where you're just talking about general career stuff or here's some some resources for you i think i think that's really rad and really valuable people who are you know in high school college and looking to pursue game design in one way or another you've also started this uh little little trend that i really enjoy where you give a a bit of info about a champion and their backstory or their bio or something about that. Yeah, the lore uh, stuff that I yeah, have no idea always, about. That's really cool. <laughs> the league lore, yeah. That's uh that's part of that that whenever I said the the announcement, whenever it's hundred percent official, I'll be able to I'll be able to probably talk more about it. But yeah, that's part and of we'll that's have part a dev type episode about that. <laughs> oh snap. But yeah. I'm gonna learn so much about lore. All the lore. We've covered um pretty much everything we have written yeah. down let me think yeah yeah did you have anything That's that you I'm... would like to talk about in particular uh katie oh geez um <laughs> and you thought my questions were hard ah. <laughs> the open-ended ones um, think... are as difficult yeah yeah i think like for me the one thing that i i like to tell players a lot is whenever you're on a team of like you know champion or skins like people are like oh wow like this was the the concept artist on the team or this was the designer and like they're you know like the frontliner they're the name that everybody knows um which is super super cool like they're the ones who kind of got the ball rolling i think it's really important to keep in mind that every team is at least you know like 10 or more people who brought something to life so we're talking you know any given skin has a concept artist um they've got a 3d artist who textures and models they've got a vfx artist a sound effects artist um sometimes we need a designer uh, if we have script side stuff that we're changing um we've got qa and then even outside of that you know we've got the illustrators we've got um a dev manager we've got a product owner um, we also have people store side who are helping us you know set everything up in the store catalog you know we've got like teams of testers it's it's really a team project um at the end of the day and there's a lot of work and a lot of faces that go behind um any particular thing that we make whether it's you know like a four to six week you know 1350 versus lux that took probably like nine or ten months to get her um out the door um and from there it's like it's it's grueling sometimes especially when you have like new form changing tech like with lux that was absurd uh, especially when you had a special formula to get to each form and trying to learn those when they're first actually not working the right way was really confusing <laughs> it's like i know that this and this should equal this but it's not and i don't know if i'm wrong or they're wrong <laughs> so it's it's just like the the times and trials for it but with with every piece of content that comes out there's like a a, a well-driven force of people behind it to to bring it to life What's one thing that you'd like to see improved upon or, or changed in the games industry as a whole? Oh, geez. Honestly, like, this is going to sound selfish. <laughs> but I think just, like, um, like integrating QA a little bit more um, for a lot of companies. Um, like I said, Turbine was a little bit more black box, a little more waterfall, um, where we were kind of, like, the last step of production. I would like to see QA being integrated more into the concepting phase or the brainstorming phase, because I believe there's a lot of value um, in having someone who's like quality control or the voice of the player from start to finish, because there's more opportunity for us to uh, potential problems and changes, which can ultimately save us time 
which can then also give us the idea of, well, we have a little bit of extra time in our time box. You know, what, what can we do? Maybe that's a new idol. Maybe that's a new emote. Maybe it's Rek'Sai on a jet ski, because that was not originally in our scope. But um, our animator was like, wouldn't it be cool if... And again, we had that time because we planned ahead. We knew what we were getting into, and we called out a lot of these risks early on. Whereas if we hadn't, we might be like, well, this animation is still really wonky, and we can't really add this extra run, or we can't do this cool stuff. Um, I think there's just a lot of value in like having the team as a whole involved like throughout the whole process. Yeah, and, and we've heard similar sentiments echoed from the other uh, QA people we've had on the show. Where they they just wish that other studios would be a little bit more, um, integrate they would integrate that step of the the process a little bit more into the company of itself because uh, something that we've heard a bit in the past is is QA people sort of get treated as like as computers or or sort of there's these separated because uh, a lot of them are are working on contracts right. So they're not. Yep, yep. That's where I started. Company, and they're not technically making this game, and and they don't get treated like part of a team. So it's it's yeah. Always cool I think Rip, Riptide said it best right there. It's like QA kind of just gets shafted sometimes, and yeah, yeah, it's definitely true, and it feels bad. Um, because at the end of the day, like we're the ones that make sure like we call out the things that could break the game or like you know make people super unhappy. Um, whereas like. <laughs> It's an integral part of game design, and like people are like, "Oh, someone is just QA." Like, you're not just QA. You're you're a dev. You're part of the the dev process, and like, you are important, and people like people need you, which I think sometimes QA can go underappreciated. Um, at Riot, I definitely don't feel that way. I definitely feel like you know, QA is one with the rest of the team. You know, we get we get praised just like all the other devs. Um, if things go wrong, you know, we take the fall as a team. It's not QA didn't catch this. Like, what what the heck is going on? It's like, oh, no, we missed this as a team. Let's figure out where we missed it and how we can fix it, which is very hard to come by, I feel like, in the QA industry, where kind of it's like, well, QA should make sure that everything is fixed, you know, blah, blah, blah. Like, nope, at Riot, like, we rise as a team, we fall as a team. Is there any other companies that you feel like are, are making the right steps towards that? Uh, or do you not really have much insight into that? I actually don't have too much insight into like how a lot of other uh, QA teams are working, uh, like outside of Turbine, which was like also a very small team. Um, hmm. Our team was probably like 10 testers. But we also like towards, at least towards the end of when I was working there, we put QA on different pods and we tried to have them working a little bit more closely as opposed to us just working. QA used to just be in a room by ourselves. <laughs> and we would test and we would play test. And then we were kind of like, well, this isn't working. So our lead pushed us into working on different pods. So that, you know, when I eventually moved to UI testing, I was sitting with all the UI developers and I could say, this icon doesn't read like a shopping cart or this icon doesn't read like what you're trying to have it be. I think if you did this, it would look better. And we're like, oh, crap, you're right. You know, this makes sense. So the team grew and evolved, but it was more of a, hey, let me show you how we could do this better and what the benefits are. And I think if the team is willing to see that, um, then the changes can be made. But if the team isn't bought into the idea, just shoving QA on your team isn't really going to help too much if you're not willing to like see eye to eye with QA and treat them like you would any other dev. All right. Well, that's, that's pretty much everything I had on my docket. Um, we covered, I think, most of what Larry wanted to talk about. Did you have anything you wanted to add, Larry? Nami sucks. Um... <laughs> wow, all right, we're done here. Uh-oh. <laughs> 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 no. <laughs> uh, no, nah, no, nah, that's great. Thank you, Katie, for coming on. It's been it's been fun talking with you. Yeah, this is this is really fun. Like, I don't get to geek out about QA too often. So it's, <laughs> it's a nice change. All right. All right. Um, if you want to. Check out Katie. She has a Twitter account at Katie Anthony. You can see on the bottom of the screen. Um, but I have a feeling that you probably already know who she is if you're watching this podcast. Come um, say hi. Send Nami love. 
Uh, make sure to check out Dev Dive. We're on all of the major podcast hosts now. Google, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher. Just search Dev Dive on there and you can check us out through there. And if you'd like to see this type of thing live, check us out at twitch.tv slash Nighthawk20000. This is where we stream live. Um, we don't have a perfect schedule just yet for Dev Dive. It's sort of coming as we get the time and the, the guests um, to come on. But we're, we're shooting for once maybe every other week or, or something similar to that. So make sure you keep up with that. And thanks again for listening. And have a, uh, a great weekend.